I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Good morning. The scripture for today is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, and chapter 20, verse 7. Then Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the people of Israel, and I tell them, The God of your father sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What do I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. God continued with Moses, This is what you're to say to the Israelites. God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob sent me to you. This has always been my name, and this is how I always will be known. No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last month, I preached a sermon considering the first of the Ten Commandments. I suggested then that obedience to the commandments is our way of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And in Commandment 1, God demands our worship. Worship only me, God says. Bend your life my way and you will truly live. But when Moses came down from the mountain bearing the stone tablets on which the commandments of God were engraved, he discovered the people of God already breaking the first and foremost of those commandments. In their fear, wondering whatever had happened to Moses up on the mountain, they prevailed upon Aaron, Moses' brother, to make a golden calf to guide and protect them. Moses was so angry that he smashed the tablets, ground the golden calf into powder, scattered it on the water, and made the people drink it. And then he called upon those men who were on the Lord's side. And those men, the sons of Levi, killed 3,000 people that day with a sword. That might seem a bit harsh to our modern ears, but it certainly illustrates the sobering truth that it is a dangerous thing to worship anything or anyone 
besides the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jesus the Christ. Choose life, Moses would say 40 years later, as the people prepared to enter the promised land. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying and holding fast to him, for that means life to you. Worship God alone, and you will live. Well, these commandments are set, as you know, in the context of the Exodus, the story of God's people being led out of slavery in Egypt, where they had suffered for 430 years, to the land that God promised to give them, a land of milk and honey, a land where they would be free to worship God in spirit and in truth, a land they could call their own. I think that in order to get some background necessary to understand the second of God's commandments to God's people, we have to go back to the beginning of Exodus chapter 3. In verse 1, we find Moses tending the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro in the foothills of Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, the place where one day the liberated people of God would worship the place where one day soon God would speak God's commandments to Moses and to the people. On this day, however, Moses' attention is drawn to the sight of a bush that is burning, yet it is not being burned up. Moses was curious. I'm sure you would be. And when he turned off the sheep trail and made his way toward the burning bush, God called out his name, Moses, Moses. Here I am, he responded. Seems a rather calm response to me. I think I would be speechless, quivering in my sandals if I heard my name being spoken out of a burning bush. But God continues to speak. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Then God identifies who it is that is speaking. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And with these words, Moses hides his face because he is afraid to look at God. I find it interesting. He didn't hide his face when he saw that incredible burning bush that just kept on burning. He didn't hide his face when God called his name out loud. He didn't hide his face when he was told to remove his sandals. He hid his face when he learned the identity of the voice. I am the God of your fathers. But in spite of Moses' reaction, God continues talking to Moses in one of the longest conversations between God and an individual recorded in Scripture. Listen, listen to the verbs that God uses. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them. I will bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land flowing with milk and honey. And you, Moses, I'm sending you to bring my people out of Egypt. You know the story. Moses resists. And God promises God's presence. 
I will be with you. And so now we come to verse 13, the beginning of the passage read earlier in the service. Moses continues his protest a bit longer and says to God, suppose I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your fathers sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them? Okay, I have to stop here a moment with a question. Why would the Israelites even ask Moses that question? Would they really ask, what is his name? What difference does it make anyway what God is called? Is the name all that important? Reminds me of Romeo's question. You know, Romeo of Romeo and Juliet fame. Ro Romeo asks rhetorically, what's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. You know, interestingly, there's a debate going on among some Christians and uh, some Muslims these days about the use of the word, the name Allah for God. Allah is the word used for God in the Arabic Bible. It's also the name for God in Islam's holy book, the Quran. But is Allah the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jesus the Christ? Or is Allah a pagan God whose name has been Christianized in its usage? Can the same name be used to identify two very different gods, one true and one false? Or is it indeed the same God but two very different understandings of God. Perhaps Romeo has it wrong. Perhaps a name does matter. Perhaps it matters very much. Here in the United States, and probably throughout most of the Western world, we generally don't pay quite the same kind of attention to the names that we give our children as they do in the East and in more traditional cultures. Names do not hold the same value or specialness to us. We may agonize over their selection, but for the most part, and there are some exceptions, names are selected because they belong to a family member we want to honor, or a celebrity whose name has become popular, or it sounds good with our last name, or because it's unusual in its use or in its spelling. You certainly can't assume you know how to spell anyone's name anymore. But in other parts of the world, the naming of someone is taken very seriously. Naming takes on almost a quality of being. I have been named, and so I am. I have been named, and so I belong to someone. My name signifies the qualities of a person, of the kind of person I am, my character, even my calling in life. And throughout the entire Bible, you find that names mean something unique to the person who bears that name. Moses means savior, as well as drawn out of the water. Hannah means God's favor or grace. Abraham means father of multitudes, and Jesus the Greek form of Joshua means salvation. You shall call him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. In Hebrew tradition, 
The naming ceremony occurred for baby boys at circumcision, eight days after birth. It's baby girls also have their naming ceremonies, but not at a specified time. Naming is a significant act. It's a sacred act. And so Moses poses to God that rather surprising question to us. When your people ask me what is the name of the God of our ancestors, the one who has sent me to them, what shall I tell them? What is your name? In other words, who is this God of our ancestors? What in all the world does he have to do with us? What is God's name? And so God, in a gracious act of self-identity, gives to Moses the gift of God's name. Verse 14 reads, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. I am who I will be. I will be who I will be. I wonder what Moses thought when God told him God's name. Good grief, what kind of a name is that? But God's name is known best in experience. And no doubt Moses had time to remember the stories of God's power and faithfulness and presence with his ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses no doubt reflected upon what God had just said to him, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them and bring them up to a good and broad land. Who is this God of our ancestors? What is God's name? God is the God who sees, who hears, who knows, and who comes near to God's people. God is the God with power to create. God is the God who is present in faithful ways to make possible the impossible, to make new life out of the death of our bondage to other gods. God is this and infinitely more. What more, what other name could there be than I am? The Hebrew people down through the ages gave God other names according to what God had accomplished on their behalf and according to what God provided for them. Jeho Jehovah Shalom, God of our peace. Jehovah Rohi, God our shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. These are just a few. But this name, the all-encompassing name, the supreme name, would not be spoken out loud. It was written down as the consonants Y-H-W-H. Yahweh, we pronounce it, which is connected to the Hebrew verb to be. Yahweh, the breath of life. When this name is used in our English Bibles, it's translated as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Not simply Lord, lowercase, as master, but Lord, all caps, as Yahweh. The one who sees, who hears, who knows, who comes down and who brings us up out of bondage. Yahweh, as the Oxford Bible Study Bible summarizes, is the one who is active and present in every situation to bring about our deliverance. 
And so Moses returns to Egypt and all the people were assembled. Aaron spoke God's words on Moses' behalf and miraculous signs were accomplished. And chapter 4, verse 31 tells us the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord, all caps, had given heed to the Israelites and that he had seen their misery and they bowed down and they worshiped. God's name is like no other. It is sacred. It has the power to make everything new. It is not a name to take lightly or to take advantage of. In our world of eh, whatever, God's name matters. Sometime later, we don't know how long it took for the Hebrew people to gain their freedom from Pharaoh in Egypt, but sometime later, they found themselves on the same mountain on which God spoke God's name to Moses. And this time, Yahweh, who had called God's people out of Egypt by the power of God's name, begins to tell them how they are to live if they are to be God's people. Commandment 2, found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, reads, No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. The Hebrew people know the significance of a name. They know the power and the presence of this name. But what does it mean to make irreverent use of God's name? Or we might say it in the positive. What does it mean to honor or to hallow God's name? Hallowed be thy name. We prayed that earlier in the service. The Hebrew people took one step toward hallowing God's name when they refused to pronounce that sacred name of God. But is that all there is to it? This isn't just a question for those ancient Israelites. It's a question for us. If this commandment means anything at all to us today. Let me suggest three ways that we in our culture today can honor God's name. First, we honor God's name when we live as if God's name matters. Second, we honor God's name when we trust in God in all circumstances. And third, we honor God's name when we continually praise God with all our being. Let's think about each one of these just for a few moments. Many of you know I enjoy... Um, watching HGTV and the DIY network. I love watching shows like Kitchen Crashers or Outdoor Crashers where a star contractor picks someone at random wandering around the neighborhood lows and promises them an entirely new kitchen or yard space if they relinquish their home for three days and help do some of the work. The days go by and then comes the surprise reveal. You've seen it. You've heard it. Are you ready? The contractor says, Open your eyes. And the homeowner says, oh, my. Have you ever counted how many times that expression is used in a matter of 15 seconds? Did you know that there is a show on television called OMG? Everything you need to know to keep up with the lives of cultural celebrities. OMG. A few years ago, my optometrist, now retired, had a sign upon the bulletin board in his office along with pictures of his wife and grandkids. Many of you who um, experienced the care of Dr. Teeple 
have read that sign. Contrary to popular belief, it said, God's last name isn't Dam. Here's another thought. Martin Luther once wrote that to lie and assert under God's name what is not true is to misuse God's name. As the people of God, not only are we to live truthfully, we are also to speak truthfully. So much of the time we speak as if God's name doesn't matter, as if nothing really happened between us. That nothing really happened in having been given God's name. Our speech to God and to one another becomes too casual. We flatter, we talk too much, we tell people what their itching ears want to hear. We pray that God will bless our decidedly unchristlike behavior as individuals and as a nation. Blasphemy is speech that makes God part of our lies, says Stanley Harawas. The sad and concerning thing is that we hardly notice when it happens anymore. When Moses and Aaron stood that first time before Pharaoh in the name of Yahweh and demanded that Pharaoh let the Israelites go out of the land of Egypt that they might worship the Lord, Pharaoh did not know the Lord the God who was active and present in the Israelites' salvation situation to bring about their deliverance. Ten horrific plagues later, plagues that defied the gods of Egypt, the Egyptians knew that the God of the Hebrews was indeed Yahweh, the Lord, all caps, and that this God was not to be taken lightly. And not only Pharaoh, but all the Israelites feared the Lord. They stood in awe. We honor God's name when we live truthfully and obediently and reverently before God. We honor God's name when we live as if God's name matters. Do you remember what happened shortly after the Israelites escaped Pharaoh's army through the Red Sea and ended up in the wilderness without food, without water, without direction? You know, their bags were full of gold and jewels given them by the Egyptian people on their way out of town. But you can't eat or drink that stuff. And scripture tells us that the people complained against Moses. Here they are. God revealed God's name. God has proven God's power and faithful presence. God has delivered them out of Egypt. And in their thirst and hunger and uncertainty, they begin grumbling and complaining as though God will forsake God's own name by leaving them lost and stumbling around in the wilderness until death finally takes them. It's no wonder that in the future days God will command them to build stone memorials that they might remember. It is no wonder that God's presence was made evident in the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. We are a people prone to forget the goodness of God. We are prone to forget God's name when the circumstances of life threaten to bring us down. And when we forget, we grumble about the weather, we fret about the difficult people at work, our lives become an exaggerated and dramatic recitation of things that might have been or should have been an OMG what if. We need each other. We need each other, don't we? We need each other to remember the goodness of God. We need each other to help us learn to trust the Lord 
who will never forsake God's own name. We honor God's name when we trust God in all circumstances. That's one of the reasons we gather here every Sunday, to remember and to honor God's name. And finally, we honor God's name when we praise God with all our being. The Israelites got it right when they stood on the banks of the Red Sea and praised God from the depths of their beings as they realized what the Lord had done. When they realized that they had been saved from the pursuing Egyptian army. We read in chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider have been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. And verse 20, Then the prophet Miriam Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out with her, with tambourines and with dancing. It's easy, though, to praise God when victory is won, when good things come our way, when answers to prayer are dramatic and perfectly timed. But praise is always a choice, even in the midst of confusion and doubt, even in the midst of pain and suffering. When we praise God's name in victory, we give God God's due. When we praise God in suffering, we truly worship God's name. When she was in the hospital, those last very difficult days of her life, my sister, Cheryl Barton, lived in praise of God. The nurse would come in and say, it seems as though that medicine is helping your stomach. Praise God. Cheryl would respond. Praise God, that food really tasted good to me, Cheryl would say. You've got another visitor, Cheryl's husband Bernie would tell her just as she was finally getting comfortable after a sleepless night. Praise God for his people and their love, she replied. Even when the doctor reported that her blood work was not looking good, I always heard Cheryl say, praise God anyway. The question before us this morning takes the the commandment, do not be irreverent in the way you use God's name, and reframes it by asking, how shall we honor God's name? We honor God's name when we live and speak as if God matters. We honor God's name when we trust God in every circumstance. We honor God's name when we praise God with all our being. I'd invite you today and in the week ahead to reflect on your own use of God's name. Does it matter to you? How will you honor God's name in your life today and every day? We see it over and over again in the lives of these Hebrews of Exodus. We cannot do this alone. We need each other. If we're going to bend our lives God's way. Amen.